Chapter Ten of Vicky Van by Carolyn Wells. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Ten, the inquest. The inquest was in progress. In the coroner's courtroom inquiry was being made an endeavor to discover who was responsible for the death of Randolph Schuyler. The funeral of the millionaire had taken place, and the will had been read, and now the public awaited news of the action of the police in placing the crime and producing the criminal the case had become a celebrated one not only because of the prominence of the victim but because of the mystery surrounding the young woman suspected of the deed of murder many voluntary witnesses had come forward with additional information regarding victoria van allen but none of these knew anything more of her relatives or progenitors than i did myself some of these were asked to testify at the inquest but more were not so called on as their testimony was in no way material or vital i did not propose to attend all the sessions myself but i wanted to hear the opening queries and learn just how the case was to be managed dr remsen told of his examination of mr schuyler's body and testified that death was practically instantaneous as a result of a single stab of the short sharp knife the knife was produced and identified it had been carefully taken care of and had been photographed to preserve the faint finger marks which were on its handle and which might or might not be the prints of the murderer's fingers the caterer frascini told of his orders for the party supper and of the sending of his best and most faithful waiters to attend to the feast luigi the head waiter again went over his story i had heard this twice before but i listened with deep interest and i realized that granting the truth of his recital there was no room for doubt of vicky van's guilt i hadn't of course told of seeing her take her mail from the box that night nor of her talking to me over the telephone should absolute law and justice call for that information i might give it up but at present i was awaiting developments vicky had sent me her mailbox key and i had received it duly by mail it was not sent by parcel post nor was it registered these would have called for the sender's address but sent by ordinary first-class letter post the flat little key came duly and promptly i had not used it yet the time was not ripe until that same night and i intended to say nothing of it until i had fulfilled my promise if indeed i ever told of it but luigi's story as i heard it again made me shiver with apprehension surely since he saw vicky right there at the moment bending over the victim bloodstains on her gown there could be no loophole of innocence had the murderer been someone else and had vicky known it she must have made an outcry must have accused the guilty party there was no one whom vicky loved well enough to wish to shield and too the guests were all in the big living-room there was no one unaccounted for if luigi himself or any of the caterer's men had by chance done the deed vicky wouldn't have run away there was no sense in that so i could see no possible theory but that of vicky's actual guilt why she did it was another story she may have known schuyler before might have known him a long time might have had her own reasons for wishing him dead but all that was outside the issue of her criminality there was no eye-witness of the stabbing itself but luigi's presence on the scene an instant later left no room for question as to the hand that held the knife the jury seemed to think this gravely the men listened to what the italian told and their faces showed what they believed then came the guests of the party one after another they told the same story all knew vicky fairly well as a pleasant acquaintance all liked her as a good friend 
all enjoyed her as a delightful hostess and many told individual instances of vicky's kind heart and helping hand not infrequently had she lent assistance both financial and in other ways to these friends of hers never they all said had they known her to do a mean or deceitful act or to say an unkind or malicious word the men spoke of her as a gay light-hearted butterfly girl who was a coquette but who stopped short of a real flirtation the women gave her such commendation as is rarely given them to their own sex and declared that miss van allen was a simple kindly generous nature without a trace of the disposition which causes a woman to be dubbed a cat norman steele was present he explained his sudden departure from the party by the fact that he had to catch an owl train for chicago he said further that randolph schuyler had asked him to take him around to vicky vans as he wanted to meet her but he had asked steele especially to introduce him as mr summers he had given no reason for this and steele had thought little of it randolph schuyler was a man whom his friends obeyed often without question i understood this steele was no more of a toady to the millionaire than most men would be but a request of randolph schuyler's was not to be thoughtlessly refused so steele acquiesced he was reticent in further dilating on schuyler's character said he often called on ladies who could not be called exclusive but denied knowledge of definite cases or names on the whole steele's evidence didn't get us anywhere we already knew that schuyler had gone to vicky vans under an assumed name the reason for this had little if anything to do with what had followed a connection of some sort between vicky and mr schuyler must be traced in order to arrive at her possible motive a woman does not stab to kill a chance guest whom she has never met before bert garrison came next his talk ran mostly to eulogies of vicky the poor fellow was dead in love with her and had been for many moons but though vicky favoured him more than some others yet she gave him no definite encouragement as he himself ruefully admitted but he made a desperate effort to show that a girl of victoria van allen's high character and fine qualities would be incapable of a base deed the coroner smiled a little at garrison's vehemence and let him run on for a time in praise of the absent vicky at last he said and why then mr garrison in your opinion has miss van allen disappeared the disappearance is not of her own volition declared garrison she has been taken away by somebody and held against her will in order to make her appear guilty this was a new theory i might have given it serious consideration had i not had speech with the girl herself it couldn't be that vicky was held captive since she was at her own house two nights after the crime but i could see that the jury and even the coroner and detectives were interested in this idea by whom could she possibly or theoretically be thus held the coroner asked i don't know but assuming some intruder effected an entrance and stabbed mr schuyler if surprised during or after the act by the sudden appearance of miss van allen in the dining-room he might in some way have gotten her out of the house and still be keeping her in a hiding-place it was perhaps a possibility but i didn't see how any intruder could do all that without being seen by the waiters unless perchance the waiters had been bribed to silence and that in the face of luigi's earnest and convincing testimony i could not believe it was a fantastic theory evolved in the brain of garrison for the purpose of diverting suspicion from vicky van however it seemed to impress the coroner and he made notes as he dismissed the witness cassie weldon added one bit of new information 
she said though with evident reluctance that she had caught a mere glimpse of somebody running upstairs just before the waiter had come to call for help cassie had not wanted to testify at all as she had intimated to me it was detrimental to her work as a concert singer to be mixed up in this affair but since she had to give her testimony she apparently felt it her duty to tell the whole truth how could you see the stairs from the living-room asked the interested coroner i was near the door and though i was not looking out into the hall i had a vague fleeting impression of somebody running upstairs i paid no attention to it of course but i am sure somebody did a man or a woman a woman that is i was conscious of a flutter of skirts but i am not sure it was miss van allen i didn't see her clearly enough even to notice the colour of her gown it was merely a glimpse of someone flying round the newel post and up the stairs it might have been a stranger you mean if there were some intruder it may have been a woman and not a man i don't know i tell you i can only say i know somebody ran upstairs further than that i've no idea concerning it it must have been miss van allen said the coroner decidedly had it been any other woman and had she stabbed mr schuyler miss van allen would not have disappeared now if this woman who ran upstairs was miss van allen she effected an escape from the upper stories is there a skylight exit no one seemed to know as no one had thought of vicky van leaving her house by such means but to me the idea was ridiculous a girl in elaborate evening gown clambering out of a skylight trap door to where not to a neighbor's for vicky van knew none of the nearby residents i had heard her say so myself and had she descended into a strange household and begged for shelter it would have become known before this well anyway the detective lowney immediately sent an order to have the skylight matter looked into and the proceedings went on ariadne gale was closely questioned as to how she knew of the picture in the back of randolph schuyler's watch but she declared that he had shown it to her during their conversation that evening i never saw the man before said ariadne who unlike cassie weldon rather enjoyed the publicity of the occasion i chanced to be about the first girl he was introduced to when he came into the house and we had a chat and when i chaffed him a bit on his dignity and awe-inspiring presence he refuted it by showing me the picture in his watch he said it was a little chorus girl he had taken out to supper the night before i could see the picture had been merely tucked in temporarily it wasn't neatly pasted in as a watch-case picture usually is and then i chaffed him on his fickleness our conversation was the merest foolery and a moment after he went over to be presented to miss van allen you think they had never met before i'm sure they had not they looked at each other with the conventional politeness of strangers i know miss van allen well and she is not one to dissemble or pretend i am sure she had never laid eyes on that man before she simply couldn't have killed him ariadne's further evidence amounted to nothing nor did that of several other of the party guests who were called on except mrs reeves she knew more of vicky's home life than any of the rest of us but even she knew nothing of the girl's origin she had first met her at one of miss gale's studio parties and had taken a fancy to her at once where did you first meet her miss gale the coroner interrupted to ask she came to my studio to look at my pictures was the reply she admired them and bought one 
she was so pleasant and so interested in my work that she came two or three times and then i invited her to one of my little studio affairs she quickly made friends and she invited us to her house i went there first about two years ago so did i mrs reeves resumed and since then i have been there frequently and every time i saw the girl i liked her better but she was always a bit of a mystery i confess i tried at times to learn something of her previous life but she adroitly evaded my questions and cleverly changed the subject i think however from chance hints she let drop that her home was somewhere in the middle west an indefinite term observed coroner fenn it's all i know where did miss van allen go on her frequent absences from home that i don't know either often she'd be away a week and on her return would tell of a gay house-party down on long island or a week-end trip up westchester way but i don't remember any definite place she visited i do piped up ariadne she often goes to greenwich connecticut and to bronxville i've heard her tell of these trips she has a wide circle of acquaintances and of course she's a favorite with all who know her i have a piece of evidence resumed mrs reeves which i dare say i ought to exhibit it is a letter from miss van allen which i received only this morning this caused a sensation a letter from vicky van just received i found myself trembling in my shoes and i asked myself why was i afraid the girl would be caught did i want to shield a felon and i had to admit to myself that i did i wasn't in love with vicky van but i had a tremendous interest in her and i didn't want that little lone helpless person hailed before a court of justice vicky did seem terribly alone hosts of friends she had but no one was in any way responsible for her or in a position to help her well if she ever returned voluntarily or perforce she would find a friend and champion in one chester calhoun of that i was certain mrs reeves handed her letter over to the coroner and he read it out it ran my dear mrs reeves you have always been such a good friend to me that i am writing you just a line you are everything that is good and kind and now i am going to ask you as a final favor to forget vicky van at once and for ever i am going away and i shall never return don't think of me any more hardly than you must but if you can keep any loving little memory of the hours we spent together i want you to do so and as a remembrance i want you to have my little electric coupe it is in reynard's garage and i have written him to turn it over to you i shall miss our happy times together but i can never come back do not worry about me i am safe and i am your affectionate vicky van you are sure this is from miss van allen asked fenn oh yes replied mrs reeves there's no mistaking that writing nor was there i knew vicky's penmanship and it was most peculiar never had i seen such a hand angular slightly backhanded and full of character it would be difficult to imitate it and too no one would have any reason to forge that letter to mrs reeves she had verified vicky's statement and found that a letter to the garage owner had instructed him to give up the car to mrs reeves and he had already done so that very morning the letters had both been mailed in new york the night before the postmark showing that they were mailed in the district that included vicky's residence was she then even now in hiding near her home 
or had she sent the letters to be mailed by someone else by julie perhaps who i felt sure was with her mistress wherever that might be my leaping thoughts took in all this and by degrees the slower-going coroner put it in words lowney the detective bristled with interest a clue he had he thought but what a clue two letters posted in the city what did they show of the whereabouts of the missing girl lowney scrutinized the one to mrs reeves ordinary paper such as might be bought in any stationery or department store no monogram or initial on it nor was there any maker's name under the flap but a dozen people present testified to vicky's handwriting and the coroner eagerly took possession of the letter sherlock holmes i thought to myself would read that letter look at it through his good old lens smell it and then walk out and return in a half hour with vicky van in tow but for my part i could see nothing illuminating in that plain paper and envelope and the letter in the well-known penmanship all i gathered was that wherever vicky was she was not only safe but comfortable the tenor of the note breathed leisure and composure clearly she was not breathlessly hurrying from one place to another or vigilantly eluding pursuit she was at ease with opportunity to indulge in thoughtful kindness to a friend and to write at length about herself at length yes but with no hint of her hiding-place nor any clue to it poor little vicky she seemed so alone and yet how did i know she may have gone to friends or somehow i hated to think that she had any man who was her legal or even willing protector yet she said she was safe and her letter showed no fear of the future and then again i was stabbed by the thought that perhaps there was no earthly future for vicky van i didn't want her to kill herself i didn't want her to be found and arrested what did i want i wasn't sure in my own mind save that i wanted her safety above all else i suppose i believed her guilty i could believe nothing else but even so i didn't want her brought to bay i gave my own testimony which was all true and all frank except that i said nothing of my nocturnal visit to vicky's house or of our telephone conversation if my conscience smote me i combated it with my chivalry which would not allow me to betray a woman into the hands of the law the later witnesses who were mostly the working people whom vicky employed by the day told nothing of her or of her home life they all spoke of her as a kind lady to work for though as a rule they had not seen her but had been engaged directed and paid by the maid julie it seemed to be tacitly assumed that wherever vicky was julie was with her i had had this information from vicky herself but others took it for granted in the absence of any reason to think the contrary the whole day's session to my mind achieved little of useful information mrs reeve's letter proved conclusively that vicky was aware of the search being made for her and showed her determination not to be found it was saturday and when the inquest was adjourned until monday morning i couldn't help feeling that it might as well have been permanently adjourned for all the further conclusions it would lead to i went home at last thrilling with the thought that that night i was to get vicky's mail from her box and hide it where she had directed i secretly hoped she might be in the house herself waiting for it but scarcely dared believe this would be the case End of chapter ten